Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We know of new methods of attack. Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of the 5th Column Podcast. This is your almost weekly or mostly rhetorical assault. I guess there's a shame called mostly weekly. It's like reason affiliated. It used to be. Yeah. Got croaked in the night. Well. Good. Then this is your almost mostly weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle, the people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. I am Camille Foster. I do all sorts of remarkable things at a place called Freethink. I'm a partner there. Partner yeah. at Freethink. Yeah. What kind of like hippie playground are you? Like, Precisely right. At? Why don't you visit Freethink.com, good people, and find out. Um, this is episode 103, <laughs> uh, yeah. recorded on Wednesday evening, June 6, 2018. I think LeBron is playing tonight. I'm joined by my very good friends, collaborators. Operators, wonderful human beings, Matt Welch, editor-at-large of Reason Magazine, whose voice you've already heard, Michael C. Moynihan, national correspondent for HBO's Vice News Tonight. He also does various things for Vice on HBO. Two different programs, if you were not aware. Um, Our gravelly-voiced comrade-in-arms, Anthony Friggin Fisher, senior editor at The Week. Um, He is also very much in the motherfucking building. Uh, Mm. Gentlemen, it's wonderful to be with you. Hi. What, we're going to pretend like the pirate isn't with us? Well, that's just it. I was going to say, we're not going to do a long banter because I want to introduce our very, very good friend, Mr. Josh Zeps. Formerly Zeps. He's here in the building, host (laughs) of the We the People Live podcast. (laughs) We the people. And the new program, (laughs) The People Versus. He is duly hosting things, which is kind of cool because he has twin children and he is also a wonderful human being. Josh, I'm glad you're here. Why do all of my shows have to have the word people in them is exactly what Matt Welsh is now thinking. It's like the Howard Zinn of shows. I know. I know people army. It's just the verses that actually, like, what's the verses about? Well, each week we take one uh, news story and then we look at one big ethical conundrum that is raised by that news story and we get people in studios all around Australia and they kind of debate it. So it's like the people versus, uh, like, public shaming, the people versus religion in schools, the people versus whatever it. it might be. The That's issue a great idea. That's pretty good. I want to show. And we actually steal that because it's Australia. No one, yeah. no one knows it. Is that in IBC? That's an IBC. I was just going to say, this program, but this program is in fact available to you people. You can get it on podcast. Yeah, you can get. You and if you listen, listen to the online. podcast, you get all of these great people with their Australian accents. So about Australian accents, I was I was uh, uh, in my neighborhood uh, and there was a uh, <laughs> uh, and I was walking on Second Street, um, which is in my uh, neighborhood, mm. uh, and uh, a pleasant uh, looking uh, middle aged uh, couple walks up to me and like. How you going, mate? Uh, no, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. That's an English chimney sweep yeah. from the 1950s. <laughs> I love, I love, I love. Mr. Yeah, Batwell. Yeah. Is that Dick yeah. Van Dyke? <laughs> Where's Second Street? I'm like, and we were like right on the intersection of mm. like Second and Hoyt or Bond or something. I'm like, uh, did you point? I at pointed. The, I at pointed. The street sign second, say, second Street. Like, Listen, you fucking Aussie. <laughs> look up. <laughs> and she was like, no, 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 Second Street. Like, so, I mean, the thing I just pointed at, the Mm. two and the N and the D, and then she slowed it down for me. She's like, no, no, sack it. Sack (laughs) it. Sack it. it. Was she sitting on the back of a kangaroo at this point? (laughs) She was... 
punching say, a dingo. I, my my new theory about about your people and mm. your accent yeah. uh, is that it's the uh, rhetorical or the vocal equivalent of the uh, maple leaf that the Canadians sew on their backpacks when they travel abroad. It's just mm. because you're just as loud and drunk and stupid as Americans, maybe yeah. even more, oh, at definitely. least drunk, totally. um, that you uh, you create a fake kind of uh, tone mm -hmm. to distinguish yourself from Americans or else uh, so that you don't it's, get it's, It is um, – Widely considered to be the Boston accent of the world. It is. It is. So. It actually is. He's like, oh my God, I can't fucking believe it. Well, to people who haven't noticed, yeah. the, the Boston accent is the closest phonetically to yeah, the accent it of is. all is the American accents. Yeah, uh, because yeah. if you think about the, because Bostoners swallow their R's, yeah. right? Mm. So you would say park. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Park. Oh. Yeah. Is that a consequence yeah. of the shared genetic penchant for, uh, for criminality? Races. Yeah, and booze. Yeah. Yeah, we're the same, dude. I'm the, yeah. I got on that uh, it uh, fucking Melbourne. It's yeah, great. it's the same. Have a party. Everyone's awesome. Um, They're an attractive people, though. I have to say that. I have to say that, uh, Australians are an attractive huh. people. Yeah, I just look I, at the well, hair. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but then is if he's this beautiful uh, woman or chap, mm -hmm. uh, depending. Uh -huh. I pointed up at, 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 at Josh. Josh. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Why. I don't know why. I don't you know why. Uh, yeah. You can find it on the internet. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, they and they start talking, and then you're like, oh, that's disappointing. Such a shame. Amazing, <laughs> babe. And then what happened? Did you have a stroke? Well, it's like, no, I'm from Perth. Did you ever see the dubbed <laughs> version of the original Mad Max? That's the absolute best. Dubbed into American. Yeah, because, yeah. because yeah. like Mel Gibson was just, no, we, I, we can't understand that. Really? Yeah, there's a dub. It was well, it wasn't into Mel who was saying that. Yeah, you, I mean, the studio required it to be dubbed. It was a huge hit in Australia and internationally in places where people aren't too stupid to be able to understand foreign <laughs> And then the studio was like, Americans are not going to be smart it's enough not, to handle it. It's not this. that we're too so stupid. They, they we're just inconvenient. Not only is that true, but if you recall Road Warrior, Mel Gibson barely speaks in. Yeah, oh, that's right. right. He was still in this grunting phase. Yeah. Huh. Sugar tits. Yeah, yeah. Jews. Like, what was that? <laughs> was that a Jesse Jackson? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's like the Holocaust never happened. <laughs> Dub that into American English now. Uh, by the way, the best, my favorite writer is Australian. I just want to say that my I am being disrespectful to the Australian people. We're fantastic. Clive James is my favorite writer Clive James of all time. Mm. And uh, an expat, though. I mean, he lives in England and has yep. been dying now for many, many years. And I remember this is true. As 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 are we all? As we all. Um, that I remember when he got sick. Uh, it was probably 2010 or something. I asked. True story. I asked Christopher Hitchens because uh, he was very good friends with Clive James, and he said, "Oh, he's dying." <laughs> that was wow. Like, that was in 2010. Yeah. Wow. And we all Sorry, know Hitch. how that story. You made him. Yeah. So uh, Clive's yes, still if alive. anyone hasn't re read uh, some of Clive James's early art criticism, even though that sounds like the nerdiest thing that has yeah. ever been said in this studio, uh -huh. it's yeah. actually delightful and sparkling and funny and whimsical and amazing. Like what kind of? No, art? that's actually very well, hip. The, the, all art. I mean, like just art cultural art theory. The, there, uh, there, and the great thing about our listeners is that we get a lot of feedback in this. We tell them to le read things and they actually do. So we weird. tell them to send us booze and they do. I tell them to give me Bitcoin and. Mysteriously, I have some now. Is that but, right? Uh, yeah, a little I bit. I tell we them to subscribe about to We the People Live, a great podcast of <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> do that. <laughs> yeah, the be but the best thing you'll read, uh, uh, Clive James ever wrote. He wrote a review of a Judith Krantz novel. Um, you know, she's the the kind of uh, trashy uh, writer. She's one of these. What do you call it? Co Joan Collins, not Joan Collins. No, the Jackie. Yeah. Jackie Collins. Right. Yeah, that kind of that kind of genre. And um, the title of it is A Blizzard of Tiny Kisses. And I think it was in the London Review of Books, but they, they gave him one of these books to review. And it is one of the funniest things I've ever read and brilliantly, brilliantly written. So Clive James, that's, read him. He used to have a Saturday, night, Saturday night show in the UK called Saturday Night Clive. 
Oh yeah. Well, ah. he's he's also the I man see, that introduced I see what he did there. He introduced the world to weird Japanese game shows. Uh, huh. Those were not really known until Clive James brought them to his his show in the UK, and just used to play clips and make comments on weird Japanese game shows. Huh. Cultural amnesia. It's the guaranteed best. to make you smarter. It's one of the best books like. I've read in the past decade, and I mean that. Good. It's amazing. Cool. So, um, well, speaking of best things in the last decade, perhaps ever, um, it would be a shame if we didn't mention uh, Kanye West's new album, which has oh, yeah. been released for less than a week at this point. Um, but is already just a remarkable accomplishment. It is one of the greatest things that mankind has ever done. Wow. It is not even his best album, and it uh, has brought me great satisfaction and happiness. And I just want to I just want to say thank you, Jesus, uh, yeah. at the front end. I listened to it today, by the way. Did you? Yeah. What did you, yeah, what did you think? I really liked it. And, yeah. and I, seven, <laughs> seven tracks. The, I like the second track. There is a, there is a lyric about, um, about Russell Simmons getting me too Yes. <laughs> And by the way, kind of sympathetic to Russell Simmons, (laughs) just for the record. It wasn't like, you know, stop doing that shit, Russell. So so all of his recent kind of uh, political craziness, uh, I'm using kind of air quotes for that, but just Uh like controversy. Yeah, because you don't you you also agree that slavery is a choice. Is that why you're saying (laughs) you're you're using the air quotes? I understand. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Matt Welch. Slavery is a choice. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Don't ascribe to me Camille Foster's views. Uh, I never said that. Uh, no, but uh, like, is that reflected in the art at all? A little bit. He mentions the controversy associated with him saying insane things um, and it getting him into trouble with his wife. And this is the it's the weirdest thing about this album. Um, and we don't have to talk about this uh, at, at length is 45, 50 minutes. It, you can tell <laughs> you can tell that he just made yeah, the album. Yeah. Um, you can tell that the mastering that's happening there isn't quite the same. He Kanye like sings um, in a number of instances, not merely rapping and not autotude sing, but sing. Um, and there's no retouching on it. There are How's, there are unfinished songs. The lyrics become mumbling. Well, maybe we can leave it at that. We don't need to talk about all of my all of my music happiness. But it, this album made me happy, and I wanted to mention good things before I mention something that is sure to make someone miserable today. Uh-oh. So maybe there maybe we, we get to the maybe we get to One the things. Uh, Do we get God. to the things? I don't know. There's there's a lot can of. Can I just say that like, I'm going to be pretty fucking grumpy in this thing? Are you? My jewel just died. Oh, um, I don't have my charger. I'm sorry. Okay pissed off about that. Jeez. Think about cigarettes is you just, you just oh, you can get matches from somebody else. Yeah, but you can't smoke a very special charger. No, yeah, I mean, should I'm, we get the, uh, it was, the cat timpf uh, hotline? <laughs> the bat signal out and she falls out of a, a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Blood all over her face. And uh, did you, did, makeup did you, on her neck. Cat, <laughs> cat fall out of a tree because yeah. she's a cat? Is yeah, that? exactly. Yeah, yeah. The fireman goes up to get her out of the tree and ends up staying there. I have great video on my phone, which I should probably just show everyone uh, or as we speak of, I don't uh, know Moynihan's daughter just beating the shit out of cat yeah, yeah. Oh. just like with a pillow yeah. with with anger and intent and yeah. happiness a glee sure yeah. a glee just my daughter is a fuck don't provide any more context that's, that's great. not no yeah, none necessary well let's uh, let's get to the stuff for this week because there's a lot of stuff to unpack and plenty of things that are, are worth bypassing um, we had an email thread earlier today about the stuff that we might talk about and I mentioned that you're just <laughs> overrun with 
all of this <laughs> watching. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. This is good. So I'll tell I you what was a very in the email. busy day. I, I get it. No, it's fine. And you, you know all of the things. So you it's don't need to TJ Max stories ahead of It's fine. What I mentioned in the email to everyone else, Moynihan, is that there are all of these like interesting, gossipy Washington sub narratives, like these curious storylines that begin with Kim Kardashian goes to the White House. Yeah. Um, And then that story ends with victory convinces Donald Trump to grant clemency to 63 year old woman. A uh, great grandmother who had been serving a life prison sentence for nonviolent drug offense. Um, I, I do want to say shouts out to Jim Acosta, who was very angry that Kim Kardashian was visiting Donald Trump in the White House last week. Forget about the fact that Kim Kardashian is here at the White House today <laughs> and what planet that is uh, anything resembling normal, because it's not. Uh, she shouldn't be here talking about prison reform. It's very nice that she is here, but that, that's not a serious thing to, to have happened here at the White House. Jim Acosta was wrong. Jim Acosta was wrong. Just want to say that. Because she, what Jim Acosta be didn't understand is that she's the one who can apparently. Yeah, get I mean, if you want clemency, you got to get like a hot girl with a big ass to come <laughs> and make your case. Like literally, that's the only reason. Yeah, right? so that I worked. Mean, so that worked out well. So but there, Acosta's wrong. There are there are many curious, strange stories like that. Bill Clinton wrote some sort of novel um, in which he is actually. <laughs> it's a it's a thriller. This novel. He is in fact cast in this thriller and he didn't write it he didn't write it it, it was, was co-wrote it. patterson was, right yeah, yes he, he was, co-wrote it with with he was an advisor. this yeah. patterson character yeah he writes like number he sounds of like huge three novels. billions but the yeah. best thing is the name of it uh-huh. sounds like troy mcclure and the simpsons <laughs> like the president is missing <laughs> is the name of the book yeah it's not but, yeah it is but yeah, the president is missing is is the best detail not that he is a widower his, the character who is modeled oh, is he on him really? is a widower. Oh. I'm not going to read oh. into that. You but may remember I think me. One from the presidential <laughs> terms as the um, Clinton administration, yeah. 1992 through just, 2000. Just phenomenal. But uh, but I mean, what I, happened to his wife in the book? There I must be some backstory. I don't know. I haven't read this book. I mean, the, the only reason I novel or thriller she was killed by Leb Bubble. I don't know. By Loosely based on Web Hubble. I'm sure she had it coming. Are like are like Bill Buckley's novels any good? Like no. There's always these spy novels, like like uh, what's his face, Ignatius, David Ignatius from the Washington Post, always writes yeah. spy. Jake Tapper just wrote a novel. He did, and I, it was I, really not... really trashed by the Washington Post. Oh, was it? Oh, was yeah. it really? Uh, well, yeah, it's not uh, enough sex scenes. Yeah, I think probably, probably too many. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, Buckley wrote a series uh, with a spy named Blackford Oaks, huh. and in the first Vaguely novel racist. in the series of Blackford Oaks, he fucks the Queen. <laughs> true, true story. It's literally true. Blackford Oaks wow. is like. Oh uh, yes. Well, <laughs> now, he's buggering the queen and like behind a bush. Of yeah, there was once. Truth a, is true. Is there was once a chairman <laughs> of the Democratic National uh, Committee, long since forgotten for good reason, named Joe Andrew, who's like a chinless little fuckhead. Uh, in 2000, uh, he was the guy who like canceled the party that uh, one of the uh, crazy Chavez sisters had done at the Playboy uh, Mansion. This rings a bell for people who are older. Um, Anyways, I got a hold of of a, of a thriller novel that he wrote. It's like an inside Washington thriller novel about like a CIA guy and stuff. And there's a scene of basically rape 
uh, um, in the Caribbean where he's uh, with some 300 pound mammy, oh his language with melon wide lips. I mean, every <laughs> single thing. Really? Seriously. Melon wide lips. That's, that's an actual line? Wow, that is a that's vivid an actual, description. Actual, oh. actual yeah. line. I'm, I think I'm, I'm the only person who ever bought this thing out of hatred because I, I mean, how many times did you read it? Uh, you, you know, I like you're just that's when you're a teenager, you use some books for the same yeah. you know reason over and over again. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's because when I first saw Joe Andrew, uh, he was on TV, and I'm like, who is this bastard? Amazing, and he was man. like, yeah. someone asked him like, why should people be care about the Democratic Party in 2000? And uh, and I'm if you look on YouTube, it'll be pretty close to verbatim of what I'm about to say. It's like, well, when you think about Democratic Party. Um, we don't care if you're black or brown or purple <laughs> or yellow. We just want everyone to feel better um, and stuff. And like he wrote this just grisly and awfully written and uh, racist pornographic. Uh, I just remembered something. I had to look it up because I didn't. Or I kind of remembered it, but I wrote some. I wrote something. I guess when was this? 2011 um, for the Wall Street Journal. About I reviewed two novels, uh, one by former Defense Secretary William Cohen, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, called Blink of an Eye, uh, which is about a nuclear disaster. Another Troy McClure, and uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Blink of an Eye, and um, and Battle of the Crater by Newt Gingrich, which oh. I didn't remember. Is that set on the moon? <laughs> yeah, set on yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, Confederates on the moon. <laughs> I, you yeah. know what? I have in a place in the moon where slavery still exists. <laughs> I saw Newt Gingrich since. The last time I've seen all of you, I was in a lunch with New Gingrich. Is that right? I saw all of you. Did yeah, you guys uh, talk? Ten days? No. Oh, okay. Uh, no. Uh, but uh, I can report <clears throat> exclusively. That his body, think about it, uh, a body in a three-dimensional space. Yeah. It was as wide as a melon. It's, it, it's, it's like, you know the squishies that all the kids are playing with these days? Um, it's like a squishy triangle. It, like it starts, the triangle starts at the at the kind of the, the triple chin, and it kind of goes straight out. Like, like, like it's, a, a, it's a right angle, uh, uh, you know, straight down here, a 45-degree triangle. And I, I came to realize that's just the, that is the Washington body. That's what you end up with. Yeah, it's do you the find Navy that blazer. making fun of people's appearance? You know, I am. It serves you the, well. Absolutely. That, that the, normally I mean, is I'm, the I'm caliber of criticism <laughs> that we can expect on this. I show. have always thought uh, that uh, cable news commercials are actually a, a warning for those who might either appear on or watch cable news. Like all the stuff that they're advertising is what 35 year olds in Washington, they're going to get that at age 45. Right. And, um, and most of the panelists on like a Neil Cavuto probably use that stuff now. Because yeah. they're all like, you know, geriatrics. It's not the young people in D.C. They're advertising for the people on the fucking on the on the on the panel. Right. Uh, but also the people in D.C., if you're 35, you're going on that really quick. You're like you're modeled. You're out of shape. You're getting the triangle body. It's soft. It's terrible. You're kind of I guess that's also true. I haven't been to D.C. in a while. <laughs> You were in D.C. like uh, like 10 days ago. Was I? I don't know. Maybe. What was I doing there? You lied about it. I don't it, remember that. Oh, yeah. I was having an affair. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. Um, I, I did want to mention, though, the, the, the only reason I know about the Clinton book is because in the interview, because he's been out doing the press circuit uh, talking about the book, yeah. someone manages to ask him about the Lewinsky affair from some months back. And that has, uh, I mean, he's talking about it publicly um, and also to comedians on television. Uh, I don't think we need Wait, to- Wait, who did he talk attack. to? A comedian. He talked to Colbert about it on his show. So he started talking to Craig Melvin, who did a very good interview. Yeah, I saw um, that. That was good. Yeah. Um, totally yeah. on flight. Because uh, Clinton tried to turn it back around on him. What, do you think that, that J. 
JFK should have resigned. He, he yeah. sure did. He, and, he, and Melvin's he made like, it very clear no, that he, he was the was real coming victim. To him. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Well, no, they shot him, which is what happens when you have sex with women who aren't your wife. Well, when he oh, goes on Colbert, uh, Colbert uh, literally says, or, or figuratively says, um, let's have a do-over and you know try to try to get better this time. No, he literally said that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that wasn't figured. Yeah, but I mean, it, th- on those shows, my understanding—I've never been on Colbert—is that you have some sense of the exchange that's going to take place. Yeah, not really. They tell—they no. tell you beforehand, but they lie to you, right? I mean, they're not going to tell Bill Clinton that they're going to do that. Yeah, if they want to say something that they know you're not going to want to be asked, they don't they tell don't. you. Hmm. Yeah. So you don't think he was interested in having a, a do-over in which he had an opportunity to sort of get it right this time, as opposed oh, I, to I, I as opposed to casting himself as the victim, which he did in the first interview, where he says, you know, I left the White House like fifty-nine thousand million dollars in debt. I suffered gravely. Sixteen, 16 million. Well, it's about the same. Uh, I give or take a few million. Uh, and he kept saying, without anything backing it up, like uh, there are gaping holes in in, in gaping in, holes in, in your story. Of all, like, did he actually yeah. say that? Gaping. <laughs> yeah. He said gaping. Like, never use the word down. gaping. That's yeah. inappropriate. Ever. Even if it's not even Bill Clinton. I, it's you. <laughs> Don't you should holes the size of a melon. Got holes the size of a melon. But anyways, we could but we could step away from some Why? of that 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 gossip. You know what? Thing. You know, I'd say this. I saw okay. a tweet the other day, and I gotta oh. get everyone's. Reaction to this. Okay. I can't remember who it was. Uh, I'm sure Fisher could probably like, he's like, you know, Fisher bought 3,000. Like, it was from, and like tell me about things. Uh, but there's a woman who, who tweeted, um, like, uh, you know, unpopular opinion. You're all going to tear me apart. By the way, if you haven't never prefaced it that way, because uh-huh. you're just inviting people to do it. I always it. presume that it's sarcasm. Yeah, no, this was not sarcasm. And she was like, you know what? And, and I was like, oh, wait a second. I agree with this woman. She was like, you know what? Monica Lewinsky was not a victim. She was 22 or 23 years old. She had a relationship with a guy who was married. He had a relationship with her. She, you know, used her, you know, bad judgment and his bad judgment too. His bad judgment doesn't trump hers, et cetera. And then, of course, the everyone on, online piled on and said, well, you know, he was the president. Yeah, There's a power, power dynamic, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, uh, And she rejected that. I kind of reject that, too. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I don't think that that was at play here. <laughs> the power dynamic, like Bill Clinton, I don't think it was, like, using his power to get this little... But isn't isn't the issue with... But even Clinton, if you are, don't... Sorry. Who cares? Don't we always use... Doesn't everyone bring to their, to their yes, romantic to their rom- uh, courtships yes, whatever yes. tools they have in their arsenal? Yeah. Sure, and that's why people and become musicians. Have, yeah, well, dirty, You're projecting yeah, exactly. their sexual prowess. Yeah. Have your ability to dominate, and, yeah, and yeah. presidents of the United States, yeah. and it's like I, I, I don't think like you know, but she was, but she worked for him. Yeah, well, so, sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, look, no, but, she no, could, on, she but, could have easily like, said no. Matt, the problem with having sex with with your underlings, if you're in a position where they're directly reporting to you, is that you might fire them if they if they rebuff you. She got a job out of it. That was the the Ken Starr controversy. That that he was coercing her into having sex with him with the implicit assumption that she would have been fired otherwise. I mean, she was, she was into it. No, but, but like, but you shouldn't have sex with interns who report to you. Why? Well, well, no, I mean, as a, as a general <laughs> rule, Matt, you should Sorry, certainly Sorry, maybe avoid I'm going to ask Camille to cut this out later, <laughs> but why not? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, no, if, I'll be happy to cut that out. If he was a direct manager, it's a legal thing. Yes. I think it's a managerial thing. I mean, you don't, you know. Yeah, you probably, you probably shouldn't. If, if you're but, old enough wait, to be a man. Wait, he plucked her out of a random lineup as she was like, as they were yeah. shaking hands. But she didn't report to him. She no. reported to someone who reported to someone who reported to Bill Clinton wasn't dealing with the interns. But as we're unpacking this scandal many, many years later, it's worth remembering. 
remembering that the like the, one the, the challenge beret. here isn't, the one? isn't only that they were having this consensual sexual relationship, yeah. um, despite what he said at the time. It's not so much that he lied about it. It's the denigration of the woman after the fact, casting her as a psychopath, weirdo. I, well, think, I, I think that's true. And I just a quick, quick thing yeah. for Josh. I, I mean, I, I can't absolve Clinton on this because it was... They were his surrogates, and they were his surrogates that he chose. Yeah. But it was, I mean, essentially people like, I mean, always remember that his administration was honeycombed with really nasty characters who defended him. Like, like, like Sid Blumenthal, you know, who was called Sid Vicious by Uh people in the administration, who was the one that was going out and blackening her name, which is why Hitchens and Blumenthal had a falling out. Right. Because he was, he was bad-mouthing Lewinsky as a, as a as a slut uh, in some lunch at one time, and he talked about it later. But yeah, I mean, it's like, I think that the people around him were so loyal to him that they did awful things. And it wasn't, by the way, the thing is, I wasn't joking about this, that it wasn't that her job was threatened because of her relationship. It was the opposite of that, Mm -hmm. that Vernon Jordan, who I think was on the board of Revlon or something at the time, he tried to get her her a better job. I mean, that was the the controversy. I would literally give anybody in this room a hand job for a better job than I have now. (laughs) Uh, like, hey, I can get you a... After the show, <laughs> yeah. talk to me. <laughs> well, yeah. speaking, speaking that, of... By the way, that's when the screen goes black and it says five weeks later and I'm on Australia. <laughs> Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the fifth column. Live from Brisbane. <laughs> well, speaking of corrupt administrations and all sorts of other horrible madness, um, we, we have a, a current administration. Um, there is a current president of the United States. Got some States. problems. I he, was going to point out that the previous 10 minutes have gone Conversation was about something that happened. I, yeah, I know. Well, it's, a, it's a history. You, you say ten minutes. I'm going to cut that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, but no, seriously, the uh, the current president of the United States, his administration is currently being investigated, as everyone knows, with the, the, the special counsel, the Mueller investigation, seems to be drawing a little bit of blood, apparently deported some guy, um, Manafort is, uh, this week, um, uh, has been accused by Mueller um, and his team of witness tampering, which is kind of a big deal. Attempted um, witness tampering. Attempt, attempted witness tampering. And over the weekend, there was a memorandum published in the New York Times, um, which uh, purports to explain the various ways. This is a memorandum written by Trump's legal team, submitted to uh, Mueller's team in January of this year. Um, and it purports to explain the various ways in which Donald Trump totally didn't do anything wrong. But even if he did, he is totally immune. I'm sorry, I'm already falling himself. at this. Like, yeah. I'm already <laughs> so bored by the Manafort and the Papadopoulos well, and the... Beyond, and the, yeah, beyond the details of the investigation, because I don't want to unpack all of that stuff again. You. Interestingly, none of that stuff seems to be the Russia collusion thing. It's a lot of other interesting curious charges in some cases. There were a lot of colorful uh, characters during the campaign. Yeah, colorful as in vaguely criminal yeah. and in some cases just rank incompetent, stupid morons. Uh, they were the type of guys that you saw at the bar at CPAC at like 1130 at night in 2007. <laughs> like the Manaforts and Papadopoulos and these these Papadopoulos is incredible. Well, yeah, I know Literally the name of Alex Karras's character on Webster, by the way. <laughs> is that right? George Papadopoulos That's right. is the father of Webster. I know the guy who Papadopoulos spilled the beans to. Who's Australian, London, right? Who's the former Australian foreign minister, Alex yeah. Downer. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's what sparked that. And so... Yes, it did. 
What can you? Uh, <laughs> nothing. Yeah, nothing. 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 The no, fact no that he details. was a good diplomat who yeah. who informed his our beloved ally of the United States. Yeah, there, might yeah. be, there might be something yeah. going on here. Yeah. But but beyond the shouted the... crikey and picked up the phone. <laughs> Mate, this is a bloody <laughs> outrage. Can't believe it. But beyond Russians. The, but beyond the investigation, there's something there's something else here, and it's this these questions about like presidential power and the authority that the Trump administration seems to be claiming here. Um, there there's like the the famous line from Nixon. Uh, where he says, you know, yeah. if the president does it, then it isn't illegal. In this yes. particular case, is even if the president does illegal things, you can't prosecute him for them because he and can even effectively if you, even if you did, himself. then he would just pardon himself. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask a question about this, uh, which is me as a foreigner? So this is a particular quirk of the American political system that does seem baffling to me and many other non-American people. Mm. Uh, wherein if the president commits a crime, there is no way that the justice system can take him down, basically, right? It has to be an impeachment. In other words, it has to happen through Congress. Uh Similarly, if he were to be charged with something, he would potentially be able to pardon himself. I mean, you were just mentioning the Kim Kardashian-inspired pardon earlier. Commutation. Commutation. Mm -hmm. Commutation. Uh, I got into a bit of hot water on Twitter for saying that this is something that is inherently un-American and anti-democratic. The, the, the whole pardon thing. Totally. A lot of countries have a pardon system, but there's a test that the executive branch has to go through in countries like Australia where it has to be, there has to be a plausible level of believability that they're overturning an unjust uh, decision by the judicial system. It uh-huh. can't be, it can't just be, we don't like this or it's our friend or this, you just, we, we just want to do this for political reasons. Sure. Yeah. And it strikes me that here the pardon has just become essentially a a dictatorial waiver, which is so, so it's, which so flies in the has, face of the of the, of the separation of powers. It's like, one of the most uh, like direct, strong powers that the uh, president has. Why not just have? So but you're attacked for this on Twitter because I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. There were people saying every country has pardons. No, they don't. Every country has pardons. It's not true. Well, and there's also different. Very many of them. Very many of them do. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say. Make the case for me because here's here's what I would say. Like, if you think that there's been an unjust decision by the judicial branch, yeah, maybe the executive should have the branch. Should have the power to order the judiciary to go back to impanel a new bench of justices, for example, to have a case reheard. But I think that ultimately, unless there's been a grave like mistrial or something like that, that 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 the, the, the judicial concerns should be dealt with in the judicial branch. And I don't understand why the executive has a dictatorial whim to overrule a branch that's supposed to be separate. My case for it is. Uh is situational on one hand mm-hmm. and also uh, the constitutional dodge. It was there from the beginning and generally stuff that was there from the beginning, with the exception of some three-fifths problems. Um, <laughs> uh, problems. Uh, yeah. Which actually was a My, minor for a inconvenience lot of minor, for some yeah, people. Yeah. Um, it was a choice, but it was mostly a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Welch. We can. We also have things that are, I think, much more pernicious in our system, which is direct elections of prosecutors yes. in many places. Direct and elections judges. Of I mean, judges. I told a German friend of mine the other day that that in America they elect judges. I mean, absolutely. But, but gentlemen, how could this be a terrible thing? Democracy is virtuous oh, and good. God, Why can't we? Vote for the uh, two two quick points. Um, yeah, we elect judges, and we have voters now g- kick judges out of their judgeships, as happened yesterday in California for being too lenient for for the guy who uh, sentenced Brock. 
What the hell is this guy Brock named? Turner. Brock Turner. Yeah. I, I mean, by the way, what Brock a Turner fucking hired. villain name from an 80s movie. It's like, hey, I'm Brock Turner. How also, you doing? Do you want to come over to this? What cigar? a self-entitled <laughs> douchebag rapist I, name. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what would you name a rapist? I'd be like, I don't know, Brock Turner? Um, <laughs> the, judge, the judge was recalled by the people of California yesterday. Yeah. Right? I mean, that is pretty stunning. If like, and, they didn't like and, it. And they, will, of, and they will grow to, reg- to regret it. Uh, no, uh, the, the thing is, especially in our system, which uh, is way too carceral compared to any other country in the world by any measure. Um, how is it not, Camille? No, uh, I mean, they're, they're- We have a higher percentage of people behind bars than any other country world, and it's not even close. We just have more criminals, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I don't do believe that. We have more crime. So um, this is a way to have redress in a system in which too much democracy is touching too much parts of the criminal justice system. Yes, it leads to- ab- Every single uh, president has abused the pardon power. Mark yes. Rich. Uh, absolutely. I'm uh, not saying this is Roger, a partisan thing. Was Roger saying- Clinton also uh, a did pardon? he get a, Did he get one, too? I Roger think he got one. I just remember Mark Rich. Yes, Mark did. Rich is the, was the biggest yeah. one. Uh, uh, but yeah, the, every single president has abused this for the most part. Uh, at the same time, Obama, belatedly, but definitely uh, in at the end of his uh, uh, presidency, commuted mostly, not pardoned. A lot. Like 2000. And it was a great, he did a great job on that. I wish he would have started huge, earlier. Huge props to him. But it was that. a way to uh, correct. And these are mostly people, and they they did kind of go through a process. There is a board, a parole board that makes advisory board that uh, gives a recommendation to the president. Did that woman. give a recommendation on the Kim Kardashian? Uh, uh, they <laughs> did, actually. They, uh, Elise, uh, Alice Mae Johnson, I'm getting your name wrong, official, correct me. But um, she had been recommended to Obama, and he had decided not to do it for, for uh, some reason. Um, um, so she. And what if been, he pardons himself? Does that go through the board? <laughs> that has that doesn't need to. That's just been floated uh, yeah. as a, a dog licking itself because it can kind of exercise from the Trump legal team, and we can expect a lot of things like that. I don't necessarily think that that that's going to be uh, uh, tried out or tested in a court of law. I think. I mean, it's a memo. It's a, we're in. A, well, it's it's a memo and a tweet. The president said. As has been stated by numerous legal scholars, I have the absolute right to pardon myself. Pardon in all numerous caps. Um, but, <laughs> numerous. Well, it's true. At least three. Well, yeah, the ones yeah, who signed this document. Um, yeah. But why? But why would I do that when I have done nothing wrong? That's Question. why. That's why Rudy Giuliani, his chief defense lawyer, yeah. said while talking about this. Uh-huh. Say, for instance, that the president shot James Comey. Like, <laughs> of all the hypotheticals, that's the one we're going yeah. with. I mean, this, the White that House. was as good a Rudy Giuliani yeah. as Michael yeah. Moynihan's Australian accent. Yeah. Thank, <laughs> you. Thank you. It is worth mentioning, though, on the on the <laughs> on the, on the memo that it's almost certainly the case that the Trump administration or the Trump's legal team is primarily unless unless of course it turns out that there was in fact Russian collusion that the Trump administration was engaged in which I'm skeptical of but I don't know um that the things that they might be most concerned about um are the possibility of Donald Trump getting in trouble for perjury um like actually lying to the special counsel in some way um or this um potential charge of uh, obstruction of justice um i.e I hope you can see your way through to letting this thing yeah. go, Mr. Comey, with Mike Flynn involved. I just to I don't I don't know. Just to interrupt you, I don't think that those yeah. are the things that they're most worried about uh-huh. necessarily. I think those are the things that they accurately um, 
uh, uh, see as the most susceptible to public opinion. Hmm. Obstruction of justice is is that's where we're sort of tail chasing here. Sure, um, it's the way that you reacted to this investigation that we had about something that was deeper and more problematic. Yeah, so um, it's it's like lying to the FBI, perjury, your other thing. Um, those types of of those aren't the underlying crime crimes. Mm. Those no. are your reaction to crime crimes. And so since this this is most likely to take place outside of the realm of the legal system for our own structural reasons and also just because the impeachment process happens in Congress and that is susceptible to public opinion. So you want to start shaping and massaging public opinion. So you hit at the weak points there, the perceived potential weak points in which you could peel off those who are skeptical but not really sure where they stand on this stuff. So I think that is part of why they hit that so strong and continue to publicly because it's actually the weakest part of the Mueller case to the extent that we know about the Mueller case, which I, I, I think we don't. I think that's we a really good point. If all it is or if it'll, all it ends up being is an obstruction, obstruction of justice or a perjury charge, then there is a huge opportunity for the Trump administration to just say this is a technicality. This is, they, they've I gone mean, searching. They've gone hunting for collusion. Yeah, they've, sure. they've talked about foreign powers. Yeah. They've uh-huh, talked yeah. about corrupting sure, sure. Our, our election process. And now they've got – it's like Capone getting done on taxes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like it's a ridiculous technicality in the same way that I think people look back at the Clinton impeachment and go, well, he lied under oath. Yeah, yeah. sure. We all fucking It lie. was about a blowjob. And as Alan Dershowitz, right. remember, who was now defending President Trump all the time on Fox News, did the same thing for President Clinton back in the day uh, and wrote a book about it called Sexual McCarthyism. And it was not, I mean, remember that, that none of this stuff had brought Sounds Ken Starr yeah. from, you know, the Rose Law Firm records all the way down to jizzy dresses. <laughs> Is that, can I say that on the radio? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yes, you can. On this yeah. podcast, you Have you heard that? He's a, he's a DJ from Norway, jizzy dresses. Jizzy dresses. Yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> really good. I don't understand him because he uh-huh. only speaks Norwegian. Although, yeah, the, it's a, I think it's important to point out that the Whitewater uh, case produced <laughs> Jizzy dresses in Whitewater. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, they're, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, it wasn't a witch hunt that didn't have witches. Yeah, I mean, there was uh, Jim, uh, what's his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim, mm-hmm. uh, bigger than M. Jethro. No, oh. it's been a long time. Jim. I mean, we just can't help Governor, going back to yeah. the 90s on this show. Love it, love it. We love yeah, the 90s. Main airport. On this Jim and Susan McDougal. <laughs> McDougal, McDougal. <laughs> Jim McDougal, Webb Humble, uh, who had just a real face for radio. Do you remember Webb Humble with that big droopy lip? Don't start with and Roger Stone's conspiracy. And Roger Stop. Stone's conspiracy that, uh, that um, uh, Webb Humble is the father of Chelsea Clinton. Uh, according to Roger Stone, who is an unimpeachable source, <laughs> uh, uh, who also told me that uh, Hillary Clinton killed John F. Kennedy Jr. <laughs> totally serious. No, I'm not kidding. I'm not. Fu- well, I'm. I mean, it's not serious because it's was it like by, by like remote, remote controls from 1983. Who yeah. knows? But it was drone. like. It was like, you know, he was like, I studied the weather. There was no bad weather flying into Martha's Vineyard of a guy who'd flown like three times <laughs> and like didn't know how to read instruments. His name was Kennedy, so yeah. he'd been drunk yeah. since age three. Yeah, and by the way, when you're a Kennedy and like your dad was shot in the head and like your uncle was shot in the head and like everyone's getting shot in the head, you're like, and you know dude, it's really, really bad uh, weather. I think I'm going to fly to the vineyard. How many how many hours have you been in the sky? I don't know, seven? <laughs> Maybe we should go. Do you want to go? And, how and his wife's like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and I started like Jeff Green from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go to the vineyard. They go to the vineyard, they crash. And Roger Stone's like, you know what, Hillary Clinton. I'm like, you know, Occam's razor is that just a shitty pilot and he's a Kennedy. The shit, bad things happen to them. Good God.
Roger, love you, man. Also, <laughs> do you not have enough money to hire a pilot? I um, know, I know, you're a Kennedy. Go to Teterborough and get a fucking jet. <laughs> I go to Teterborough, exactly. Sometimes. Who's around here? He's like, are you John John? Like, yeah, I'll take you, let's go. <laughs> get in the back. Sometimes it's fun to fly your own plane. Um, Into the ocean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, that's less fun. Less fun. Um, well, maybe we move along. Um, Josh, you'd mentioned in, in um, our email thread earlier that you that I didn't are read. very enthusiastic um, about U.S. hegemony and uh, the Trump-Kim summit appears to be on again. Uh, this may, in fact, have some implications for the global regime of leadership. And damn, this alcohol is actually <laughs> just hitting it's, me. It's <laughs> corn liquor. Wow. Did you shut it? As a, as a, in this statement, in the midst of making this statement, I just my arm started to tingle. I'm like looking at my hand. Oh, wow, seizing up. Oof. You're actually having a heart attack. <laughs> I might be. I might be. Yeah. I'll be dead by the end of the podcast. Um, but no. Um, the the it's, by the way, it's made in the Waco. Trump- <laughs> it's true. It's made in Waco, Texas, where they make it, all the best booze. Yeah, it went into your esophagus <laughs> and then just started shooting, <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a tank drove through your pancreas. Yeah. Well, let me try this again before I die. June like June twelfth. On a Singaporean island that used to be a home for pirates, Donald Trump and Mr. Kim of North Korea will be having a meeting, maybe. This is a meeting that had been canceled at some point in the past because there was – it's it's just going to be a a crazy on-again, off-again situation. Um, It is a meeting that appears to be on at a – early on in this process, the reason it seemed to go away was because there seemed to be questions about what our goals were for this meeting, that we might want total and complete denuclearization of North of the North Korean regime. Um, now the administration is casting this as a getting to know you meeting. We're just going to get together and kind of talk things over. Um, I, I wonder at this point, having seen all of these things develop in the second year of the Trump administration, if any of you fine, thoughtful gentlemen have perspectives on whether or not this is likely to, one, happen, and two, likely to yield any sort of useful and meaningful outcome. And three, Josh, because I know you you favor this uh, U.S. military domination of the world. Um, the, 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 <laughs> I wouldn't exactly Team America world police. Like I, well, I want to characterize it in a way that makes it easy to uh, d- dismiss. Um, <laughs> um, I, I kid. Um, I'm a little drunk. But I, I want to just get yeah, your okay. perspective well, let me leave So a, a few yeah. thoughts. Uh, one is, of all of the aspects of the Trump administration about I, about which I am least confident mm-hmm. is whether or not he's going to be calamitous on foreign policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are two components that I think are important here. One is, could he just be crazy like a fox? Like, is it possible that he that, – that, what decades of careful kind of Hillary Clintonian style diplomacy have yielded is nothing but heartbreak mm-hmm. and frustration with regimes like North Korea. Is it possible that a circuit breaker like Trump's, which throws them onto the back foot and throws confetti in the air and then throws down a smoke bomb and then runs out of the room and then comes up behind them and tugs their hair and like gives them a wedgie? Like, is that is that actually like maybe even could that be good? And mm-hmm. if it were, is it, if if it conceivably led to a denuclearization? of the peninsula, then that would be the greatest foreign policy coup in a generation. But parallel to that is my greatest concern, which is less hypothetical and more certain, which is that we have carefully and delicately built 
an institutional kind of structure of global geopolitics, which the US presides over since the Second World War, which has been really, really important for countries like my own and for Western Europe and for Canada and you know a whole bunch of other countries, New Zealand and whatever, South Africa, that wherein disputes can be, uh, can be resolved with the knowledge that the United States is ultimately there to provide a force that will back up its democratic friends. And the Chinese, for example, have always known, we've all known that this is going to come to an end. You know, America is not going to be the global power forever. It's obvious that other countries are going to be rivals and that eventually China will probably take that role. And that's fine. Let's just manage that sort of American global decline slowly. But even the Chinese themselves right now, and I have a bit of insight into that because Australia is often the interlocutor with China uh, for delicate matters that the US doesn't doesn't want to address because we're in their neck of the woods. Also, you can see China from your house. We can. Yeah. Uh, and the Chinese are actually baffled and confused and left flat-footed by how quickly the decline of America is happening globally in terms of pulling out of international agreements like the Paris Climate Accord, in terms of just this sense that America is no longer dependable, that its word isn't dependable, that the Iran nuclear deal has gone away, that, you know, in the future, how many countries are really going to believe that the United States' word is good? And so the Chinese are like, oh, fuck, I wanted to be the leader of the world, but I didn't know, I didn't want to be the leader of the world next Tuesday. I wanted yeah. this to happen... <laughs> <laughs> like, which we were playing, we we're thinking about the future, and so th- that's 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 my take on this North Korean thing. If it if we can do something here, then sure, why not try to do something differently? I don't give a lot of credence to people who say, this is not how diplomacy is done. We're supposed to work behind the scenes for a year and a half, figuring out exactly what the leaders are going to talk about. You shouldn't just do it via Twitter. Mm-hmm. But where's that fucking gotten us? Like, maybe just throw maybe throw caution to the wind and try something. But on the other hand, don't throw caution to the wind and try something in ways that dismantle something that was really, really hard to build, which is a security guarantee that ensures global stability and which a lot of America's allies who are important to America still, like my home country of Australia, depend on. Here endeth the rant. I think that was a very well-stated thing, especially the part about the confetti and the pulling the wig. Yeah. Because <laughs> I want to see that. I, yeah. I want to see that. I want to see God. the smoke bomb. That's, I want to see... I want to see a smashing of a melon. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> like Gallagher, Gallagher diplomacy. Yeah, like Gallagher diplomacy. There's too many that's mentions. A, too many mentions a, of melons. Richard, Richard Haas has, uh, wrote a book about that Gallagher diplomacy. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I think that's uh, essentially right. I mean, I, it's terrifying to see that what, what the administration doesn't seem to understand, which is pretty obvious to anyone with half a brain, is the kind of interconnected nature of all these, all these debates. And to see how they have been blowing up the trade debate with China and really annoying the hell out of the Chinese. And if you look at the the long list, I mean, we I, I honestly thought the steel and aluminum tariffs were a shot across the bow uh, with Chinese, right? Mm-hmm. I, with Chinese, I thought these were going to go away, right? I mean, Peter Navarro is the man who's pushing this stuff mostly. He's the mercantilist. He's the protectionist. And then you have other people with the administration, including Larry Kudlow, who came in, who's, you know, an old school supply sider slash free trader, you know, thought he was going to be the voice of reason. There was a lot of reporting that on the trade mission to China with Lighthizer and Navarro versus everybody else, that there was a lot of argument. There were people like screaming at each other and, and, and walking out of meetings, basically. This is the Americans, not the Chinese and the Americans, the Americans arguing with each other. So I thought that 
that the free traders would actually win that one. Not only did they not win, they actually lost this week with our allies. We had a special um, uh, a, a sort of escape clause for, for the Canadians, Mexicans, and European Union when it came to all sorts of tariffs, I mean, particularly on, on, on uh, steel and aluminum, and they let those expire. I mean, baffled everybody. Mm. I mean, completely shocking. And when we think it, what, what Donald Trump said from the very beginning of the ne- negotiations with North, North Koreans, the only people, which is kind of an overstatement, but, you know, it's, it's true enough in a sense. The only people who can actually have a conversation of any consequence with Pyongyang are our friends in China. We must, you know, do nice things for China to get them on our side, to make them turn the screws on the North Koreans. And in the past three months, we have done nothing but kick sand in the eyes of the Chinese, who are now looking for other places to buy soybeans because they don't they buy 50% of their soybeans that are imported from the United States. They did. Uh, they did. And now they're going to be going to Brazil and various places uh, that aren't the United States. And so this is the Chinese are baffled by what the American government is doing here. It's like, wait a second, didn't you just say you need us so badly for, for North Korea? We're going to squeeze a whole bunch of concessions out of you. That was the idea in Beijing, was they get a bunch of concessions out of the United States, and then they, they blink and, oh, by the way, these are completely bifurcated conversations, this separate issue, and um, we're going to really wage war on you in the Peter Navarro way, who literally made a movie, uh, a documentary, what was it called? Uh, and it was like something about how China's like eating our babies uh, or something. Chinaman no good. Yeah, it was like, you know, me no like, you know, round eye or something. Oh it was like, wow. <laughs> oh my God. No, I didn't do the accent. I was going to do the accent, but I'll I stopped. Me no like round eye. Josh. Josh I believe it's called Death by China. Death oh by China. Gosh. Yeah, Death by China. It's another Troy McCormick movie. <laughs> Death oh, by yeah. China. Yeah, I can't believe you. I saw you in Death by China with Steven Seagal <laughs> and Kari Wurr. I don't know. Somebody's going to get that reference in the email. Um, <laughs> the China stuff was supposed to be um, the, the that was supposed to be the master negotiation, by the way. And, and uh, like right? our our trade policies with everybody else was supposed to to like put the pressure on China. And so what we immediately did to put the pressure on China is to walk out of uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Yeah. Yeah. which was a uh, trade uh, group. Uh, Australia is right in the middle of it, Japan, uh, elsewhere. Uh, China, China was not was not in it. That was mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of the point. Yeah, the that, whole was, point that was the punishment. Was, they are going to write the rules of the future, so let's write the rules right now to try to stave off that day. Yep. So that didn't work. And then and in order to punish China for for gaming trade, which they absolutely do in their own way, or they, they you know, crafty. Like yeah. Uh, way, uh, we are going to. Uh, no one's ever called like a Swedish person inscrutable. <laughs> it's always like I have an open book. Asia, just like, Asia's just, just inscrutable. Let's just go to the sauna and screw. Yeah, no, no, and it's, like, it's very nice. I like very, to have sex. Yeah, yeah, very, very. All this trade policy we're doing here, very, very, very sensible. Uh, yes, uh, but like, let's impose twenty-five percent uh, steel and aluminum tariffs uh, on uh, Canada and Mexico and the European Union because that's really going to. Well, twenty-five percent and ten percent. Twenty-five, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's yeah. going to stick it to China. Like, no, it's not. That no. doesn't make any no. sense. There's going to be a G7 meeting that's um, uh, going to already be finished by the time this thing comes out, um, uh, but it's happening uh, very soon. Um, and everybody involved, every single uh, leader in the G7, is really ha- has like called up and chewed out Donald Trump this week. You know, uh, By the Trudeau. Way, fun, yeah. fun fact about all this. Do you know which Western country there's only one has an exemption from these tariffs? Mm, no. 
yours? Yep. Yeah. Wow. You know who the number one purchaser of Australian steel is? I'm, I could... China. Yeah. So if it was really about punishing China, China, why is there an exemption for Australia? There are two countries, Australia and Argentina. I was not yeah. including Argentina in the uh, sphere of civilised nations. <laughs> but, uh, so you guys have Nazis too? That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> real, real quick uh, blurb on the Death by China website. Death mm. by China is right on. This important documentary depicts our problem with China oh, no. with facts, figures and insight. I urge you to see it. Anthony can Donald you, Trump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, can you do that in a, in a Chinaman accent? He didn't. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. You got to see it. Uh, yeah, and by the way, he didn't <laughs> no. watch it. Donald Trump didn't watch it. He never watched that movie. He yeah. never wrote that blurb. He didn't write that blurb. Yeah. No. You don't think he wrote that? was Stephen Miller. Movie? Yeah. No, I don't think he watched it. I think he might have watched it. No, I don't think he, he watches watch a lot of things. No, he watches the Fear Factor. Yeah. He loved that one. Fox that was a big one. I think, I think <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah. Fox I think Steve Ducey with a spider on his face. To Zapes' point, uh, <laughs> Trump has no appreciation of how long it takes to do these things. Mm. Yeah. Like, how long it takes to do what things? The, the put trade deals together. Sure. Uh, negotiate yeah, stuff like it's very quick sure. to destroy them. I mean, when his discussions with Emmanuel Macron, he's a, a, a reportedly uh, expressed some regret that he's unable to come back in and like negotiate a way back into the Paris Agreement. Then I don't really get, care too much about the Paris Agreement. I care more about the TPP. I care more about I don't know, you know the, the Iran nuclear deal. Well, exactly. I mean, it, this what, is, well, it might have been a shit deal, but it took a long time. It's to so get complicated. To. It's super it's complicated. Like, but it's I like wonder can't just like go back in and renegotiate together this incredible Rube Goldberg. Machine, and then you come along and go. It's not doing the job. We'll do it better, and you smash it up. But can yeah. I, but can I yeah. can I can I pose a question here? Yeah. And, and I don't know that I have I don't have a, a, a firm answer on this. My general disposition is to be skeptical of things, and since you all agree, I'm, I'm inherently skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um, is it really the case that the Trump administration has thus far done a sufficient amount to actually have? a deleterious impact yes. on the leadership of the United States beyond this administration. Is it not the case that when it comes to global leadership for the United States and its its influence around the world, that it is it extends well beyond who is in office in Washington, D.C.? Because policy changes every every four years, potentially. Right. Policies but, but can like, change but trade in a pretty policy, dramatic, sweeping way. No, they don't. You they can't, don't like, globally. break trade policy and then just replug it back in. That's, that's the point that I'm, sure. that I'm making just right now. Sure, so, sure, sure. So – by the by, let's say Trump serves out his four years mm-hmm. uh, and and does all the things that he seems to want to do when it comes to trade to just like try to rebuild back to the kind of uh, trade global idea. Sure, sure, and, sure. And the actual physical relationships. Yeah. Uh, there, um, it, it, you can't do that. You can't do that in six months. You can't do that in eighteen months. Yeah, yeah. It's going to take a long time. Well, so, I mean, part get, part of it, I suppose, is also like the institutions. It's the State Department, which doesn't yeah. like hire additional people, and they're not having conversations, and there aren't. The, I'm, and, and I'm a actually lot of less concerned about the like sort of the, the the vaporware or or like the ephemera. That's uh-huh. a word of saying of that's of leadership. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I mean, some people will say this is this is the moment, uh, the, the biggest moment since the 1920s that America really hasn't uh, like jumped into and and uh, fulfilled its leadership role. I think that we fulfilled it a little bit too much for a, a while now. There's I would agree. Assumption is, that America is the backstop. Back. You see a lot of, uh, of 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 feeling like whenever there's a bad guy doing a bad thing, America needs to come in and fix it somehow by using force of arms. And I think that's gotten to us to, to a lot of bad things. Uh-huh. I don't think that those bad things include the global system of. St- 
step by step, laboriously by laboriously, uh, reducing tariffs across the board. I completely agree with that. Yeah, that is the thing that Trump's breaking right now. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think there's a couple of things here. One is that on specifically on trade policy, we're seeing uh, bad effects of this already. Because I mean, if you look at something like uh, you know the farm sector, these people are planning these things out. You know, six years, uh, six months, a year, two years in advance, and they're already factoring in you know mm-hmm. the cost of steel. Sure. So one farmer told me I was talking to a couple of weeks ago for a piece that I'm doing that when they're buying tractors now, um, they have to figure in this enormous increase in the price of steel. And so that's already screwing up their 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 margin. They're very, very small margins. So these guys operate in not the huge family ADM farms, but like a small family farm in Iowa. They're, uh, one guy I talked to is like, I don't know. I mean, I, half of, half of his, his crop was soybean. And he's like, I don't, wh- what's going to happen to me? I mean, I'm, on a good year, I might make 60 grand. 70 grand, 100 grand, you know, normal year, maybe 60, right? And, and you know, the kind of vicissitudes of weather and now this other factor thrown in there, the administration, it's already having bad effects. It's already having bad effects on our relationships with people. I mean, this these tariffs are already in place. There's a bunch of these that are already in place. Mm-hmm. The, the tariffs that are coming from Canada, Mexico, and European Union are being threatened now and look like they're being in place in about a month. But we're talking about, you know, bacon, you know, whiskey, everything under the sun. And of course they're targeting things that are produced whiskey whiskey yeah (laughs) and they're targeting things in in in, in states that voted for donald trump i mean this is these guys are smart donald trump had some hack who hates him write a book called the art of the deal he shouts in people's faces and he's an amazing deal maker it's like you know what these guys who make trade deals in in Brussels are really good at it. And they're like, okay, let's look county by county who voted for Donald Trump and let's punish these motherfuckers right now as hard as we can. And it's exactly what is happening. If you look at these lists of what people what what products are going to be tariffed coming into the EU, Canada, and Mexico, it's not a coincidence. They're all coming from Trump states, places that voted for Trump, which is, includes Iowa, too, which weirdly voted for Donald Trump, despite the fact that his trade policy, stated trade policy in 2016 would be disastrous because the guy's too stupid to realize that that most of the economy of Iowa is exporting products. Well, he won it anyway. Export. Yeah, he won it anyway. He won it by, by a pretty so big margin. So stupid now? You know, but, well, I mean, they're stupid, the people who voted for him. <laughs> he but, even but, said but, that but, on the campaign track. Yeah, he said, no, you people are so stupid in it, Iowa. It's, but, but here, here's the, the, the other thing, and, you know, trade is very specific, and that's going to have a bad effect, and you can't easily put that back together. To your other point, though, I think you can start repairing these relationships with a new president in 2020, hopefully. Mm-hmm. You look at a good example of this recently is Richard Grinnell, who has been appointed ambassador uh, to Germany, and... Grinnell is like, uh, he's a hack and, you know, was a guy that you would see on Twitter. He's like a gay Republican who was fired. Wasn't he fired from uh, somebody's campaign, Marco Rubio's campaign or something? He was, somebody let him go because of his, because of his, uh, his uh, sexuality. Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney's campaign. Yeah. Um, And. Wait, did they, did they really let him go because of his sexual proclivities? This was in 2012. 2012, they did. 2012, we still didn't like it. We still didn't. Yeah. We're we're over that now. I mean, Republicans. Everyone's just like giving hands sort of like a long way. It was a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. 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 I'm like in like yeah. a leather man outfit now with a rainbow flag. Everyone yeah. does that. Yeah. Now. But yeah, so Except, so except old days. People. But you know, I, like you see him, what he's doing. We're you, just getting married. Like I wanna kids. for whatever reason, like I'm I really want <laughs> I really want to sing Eyes on the Prize yeah. for some reason. Yeah, I think it was like I'm coming out was the thing. I want Josh Zepps to know. 
but Grinnell, let me just finish the point. Like Grinnell, like yeah. he's all like the this is the chaos. Everyone's like, well, who cares? We need to mix it up. We need to be like someone different. Let's screw up the international order. The Germans are like, you know, this guy is like uh, supporting the AfD, and we cannot have him here. He's getting like involved in politics. Can I just? And this is like a major, major break this, this, of this point in a very yes. in, a, in a broad sense yeah. for people who are who are missing it about the German the specificity of the German example that you're yeah. giving, yeah. which is that there is actually a sense in countries. Uh, that they don't want the US to replace their ambassadors because ambassadorships often, especially in an administration like this, hmm. go to friends, like it's, Donors. A, it's a patronage. <laughs> it's a patronage, thing, yeah. Right? yeah. Whereas the people who actually work, so I don't think Australia still has a US ambassador. I don't think, does South Korea even have one yet? There's like, Is that right? There are tons of ambassadorships that are still left vacant in the Trump administration and secretly and quietly all of America's allies are breathing a sigh of relief. Like, please, because, God, don't send anyone. Yeah, the people who actually work there, who are career diplomats, who work in Canberra, who are Americans who, like, yeah. this is their job, those are the people you want to be dealing with. They don't want some pa- Trump parachuting in, some crony. They don't want Seb Gorka? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, such a good ambassador. Yeah, so um, he's, he's the the ambassador to the occupied government of Hungary. And let me let me let me just let me just grant <laughs> to the Arrow you, Cross. Oh, let me just make one final point about about Please. America's standing in the in the uh, in the globe. Yeah, uh, Camille, I will grant you the kernel of truth that I think you were pointing at earlier when you were saying that this is not necessarily going to be irreparable simply because of the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. But I will I will see your kernel of truth yes. and I will raise you. A, uh, a fact that the United States has been being regarded as increasingly erratic and irresponsible and untrustworthy before Trump. So that, I'll, I'll, I'll grant is, you that. This is true. That this has been sure. this has been something that yeah, really yeah. since the Clinton administration, it, it, like it's become more and more difficult for other countries to feel like when they deal with the United States of America, they are dealing with a political philosophical entity called the United States of America, mm-hmm. and not just the person who happens to be in the White House at the moment. And that has reached a, a head with Trump. And if you actually talk to people in in foreign countries, even like voters, if mm-hmm. you poll, I've seen polls in Australia, which say like, if if you were forced to choose between uh, siding with China or siding with America in a military conflict, for the first time in history, people say I, we just wouldn't well, get the, involved. It's the beautiful continuity of totalitarian regimes. Like you don't have to worry too much about what might happen in a couple of years because so long as they uh, are brutal enough, they can maintain control. And well, obviously, it, I'm, obviously, just, I'm, obviously, I'm not suggesting I, that totalitarianism is, you, is. I'm not saying you're saying that's good. Democratic system. It's what I'm saying is it, it is possible to have both. It's possible to run a democracy yeah. that has consistency across administrations, and America has been squandering <laughs> yeah. that authority for the past. And by the way, just just as a as a side note, do remember that Donald Trump, in a 1990 or 91 interview with Playboy, praised uh, China's response to the Tiananmen Square by yeah. saying they did it with you very know, strong. They, they did a strong response. Yeah, strong response. Tough. They showed they showed it's who tough. was boss. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, he said the same thing about Reinhard Heydrich too. Uh, <laughs> uh, look that one up, guys. Apparently, nobody's. <laughs> Responding to that. H-H. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, is a book that I recommended. Yeah, in, in four H's, recently. yeah. I don't know what you guys uh, have thought about. Yeah. One of the what, best books written in the last uh, What's it? Millet is some French guy wrote that. Uh, French guy. Yeah. Well, well, well Josh, I don't know if that was the the response that you Hitler's were Hitler's Herrn heist I, I appreciate the Thank perspective you. that you offered and the uh, and the challenge that you proposed. Here's the thing, though. I agree with all of that, and I'm kind of uh, I'm, I, I lean in the, in the direction of where Josh is going with this. Oh, okay. But at the same time, fuck foreigners. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Because <laughs> every time we have a Republican president, it's uh, like, oh, you uh, you guys are the just, worst. You're just terrible. Yeah. Uh, they hated George W. Bush before the Iraq War. They had a good reason to hate him during and after, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I, I wasn't sufficiently cosmopolitan. I mean, I, yeah. I, I remember. No, uh, come on, that wasn't it. He was wasn't before? sufficiently articulate and knowledgeable that's, about foreign I mean, that's policy. What, that's what I mean. When I say that's what, yeah, I mean that's that's, that's no. Right. Cosmopolitan has an air of a kind of a feat, like uh, I'm I'm windsurfing while eating foie gras. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cosmopolitan. W. Bush was a man who'd never left the country before and didn't understand anything about the rest of the world. That's why foreign country. I think that's possibly the most Australian example I've ever heard. Like windsurfing and eating foie gras. Is that what you do in? Bondi Beach. <laughs> I have no idea. I never, I, John I never do those. Did those in 2004. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was thinking of. John Kerry. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, I mean, I, re- I recall being in France in the summer of 2001, so before 9/11, or and maybe even in 2000. It was after he was elected, so it was summer 2001, and uh, and seeing protests in in France in the street because well, the sun was out, um, <laughs> but it was against uh, George W. Bush because my God, this cowboy U.S. president is is uh, is uh, uh, in favor of the death penalty. It's like, do you know the guy? Oh, who, that's who, not that. That might have been on a on a placard when you, they were marching. But no, Matt, you, is it too much to ask that the club of democratic nations all be led by people who are aware of the club of democratic nations and the importance of global democracy and have travelled a little bit and feel friendly towards the countries that they the ought to feel friendly towards? Pre- the and, son and have an of a president of history and a former CIA uh, director and the brother. Oh, of, oh, you think because he's George H. W. Bush's son, he had any understanding of what his father? I think did? he had some nodding familiarity. With the world, he was a baseball dude. He of course, he was. He no was a, shit. He, he was never a total even bothered to go abroad. Wise that, ass. That all was this the, kind of stuff, and he was inexperienced. I grant you all of that kind of stuff, but to to characterize him as a pure rube when he has been a two-term governor of Texas, a very successful one, one who has had a very internationalist and anti-xenophobic bent. Yeah, um, I mean, he, as he, a he liked Mexicans just because he wore cowboy boots and he would call Grecians Grecians and Slovakians Slovakians. Uh, it yeah, was he called Spain a republic when he was in. Spain. He it like was, offended it's everybody. <laughs> uh, I think. I think uh, you damn. But Matt, what, what, you what, damn foreigner. Foreigners. What, what is the problem with expecting America to? He's a bit of a rube. By to, the way. to be. To be <laughs> Just for the record. To be as good as the worst. Like a uh, democratic Western country, why? Why, why, I, I why just, not just to make it why, of the twenty-one countries in the OECD, which is the, like the club of rich Western countries? Why not just have like America be not quite twenty-first? Why not just expect it to be? like I, I always say this, and I and I lived in Europe uh, during the the George W. Bush years, and I was often cast as the person defending. America's honor, if not defending American policy, just because it was so irrational and people would say the most outrageous things. I remember somebody at a dinner party telling um, me that, uh, did you know that George W. Bush um, has like uh, shut down the free press? And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, you know, this thing called the Patriot Act? And I'm like, I don't think that's what it is, but but very nice talking about it. Past the Kippered Herring. Um, but I was in Sweden, by the way. I wasn't in... We like sex and Kippered Herring. It could have been Israel, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, and nah, it's fine. Pass the herring. But, you know, it, it is if you had a doctor, <laughs> if I was having some sort of even minor surgery that came into the office 
uh, and came into the to, to the to the room to consult with you about it and spoke to you in the way that George Bush spoke at most you know press conferences, you would be worried. Yeah, and exhibited like, as much yeah, knowledge of your body as he did of the body politic. Of yeah, I'd be like, I, I, I Let, don't know about don't this. Don't get me wrong, because I Just always want get a smarter cast, guy. I always get cast in this room, Matt, as like the anti-American, which I hate, because I'm always the pro-American <laughs> no, outside no, no. of America. Right. You're, right? You're, I am. I, I you're love basically this an immigrant here. But, you like America more than the rest of us do. Exactly. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Look, fundamentally, I would say this. I, lo- I love you it. You cannot have it. I'm taking a knee. I would say you cannot have it both ways. You can't have the level of global infatuation that the United States gets when it elects an, a Barack Obama and also not have the level of disdain that you get when you elect a Rube. Like yeah. um, uh, foreigners fucking love this country and want to love this country and want an excuse to love this country. And you guys all never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. It's like Obama was fucking gold. Everybody loved him. Why? Not just because they're like starry-eyed, naive, uh, Euro ninnies. Because he spoke a language of international diplomacy that made people feel reassured and made people feel made people feel like Unless America was Poland being run. The Czech Republic. If or Candace or Owens was in the room, she would be saying something about the globalists. Yeah, but that I that said, if Mitt Romney had won in 2012, complaint. they wouldn't call him stupid. They just call him a fascist, right? That, I mean, that's usually what you get. Like you have actually, a guy who's fairly clever. In you know who's a conservative? I mean, I've had well, many of these conversations in, in in Europe. I mean, uh, you know, it was always it, it, it aligns perfectly because it was Reagan, you know, that perfect dumb cowboy actor who's just reading lines. Bush, Trump, perfect. Uh, George H. W. Bush. I uh, got a special kind of dispensation because he presided over the fall of the Soviet Union and did it in a sort of calm, realist way, not a sort of neoconservative way. And, you know, William Sapphire famously criticized his his speech about, about what was happening in Ukraine as the chicken Kiev speech because it was non-interventionist and let them do what they do. And he also pulled off the Iraq war without do- making the mistake that his son subsequently did. And without he finishing the out. job, uh, which he could have quite easily done and actually allowing... An enormous uh, massacre of uh, Shia by allowing uh, helicopters to fly and shoot them down. Yes, that's as true. We were the alternative so he was what, he did, what yeah. his son did, which well, has been I don't know. If it, at the time, I probably probably slightly different. I mean, in the kind of pre Al Qaeda days, I mean, it's it's a it's a game of, of of what if and probably worthy of a novel and not a discussion on the show. But we've I would say from, that, we've gone from talking about Lewinsky to even further. I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Pretty soon, I'm like the invasion of Grenada was a strategic <laughs> mistake. I, wanna, I just want to talk about the hostage rec- rescue under uh, Jimmy Carter. Oh, with all the a helicopter's crashed. Yeah, yeah you guys nice alive job. Then, uh, yeah, I was alive. I was alive. I was alive. I was. I was rooting for uh, the Ayatollah. The well, there, there's one. I, don't, I changed. I changed. <laughs> I'm like Joy Reid. I, <laughs> I changed my mind. That she never all, said that. She I was, said. I think. I think her most recent statement was that she doesn't believe that she wrote those things. But what she's about really the new Sorry, ones? if she. No, no. She's, she's gone since. Oh, then. she's she's since come back around to. I actually maybe she, I sort of did. Is not addressing the. I don't believe that I wrote it or that that. The hacker yeah. that the FBI is investigating. Yeah, that the, the, the we're Russians. No, we're not talking about that anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you know, I've, I again, I'm sorry. Um, um, uh, and I've changed my mind on. I've, I've evolved. Yeah, and yeah. Now, now I know 9/11 wasn't an inside job. No, Infowars is still a credible. No, it, no, because an inside job would say would, would suggest that it was the government, and now I know it was the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, the, that's a, the, that the is government is point. honeycombed with Jews. <laughs> 
<laughs> twice the honeycomb. Yeah, I know I had to do it both because because that's it's good. Super anti-Semitic to Say speak the Jews. Speaking yeah. of speaking of honeycombs. <laughs> By um, the way, anyone could cut that out and be like, "Wow, I'm going to go off the reservation." I, I could help you with that. That was a off, fucking off, joke, people. Off the reservation is racist. So one, one more, maybe, uh, maybe one more thing before we run off of the relocation camp. Only only because I've been obsessing over this for some time by myself and you guys have been away. LeBron um, James is uh, 0-2 record. Yeah, not finals. not so much that. Not the J.R. Smith screw up, um, but the Starbucks Roseanne Bar and now I think kind of sort of the Samantha B thing. Although in my estimation, it seems like the Samantha B thing is different. Samantha B, like actually it's just an ad hominem that many people regard as too crude over the line. Let's narrow it um, down to Starbucks. Those I other that's, those that's other things, the Starbucks and the Roseanne bar thing, I think are the same category of scandal in the sense that they are race scandals. Yeah, but we also should defend Samantha B. Well, we can. I, mean, we should. We can, I think we should. We can I defend know, Samantha guys, B. I, I'm, I'm actually prepared to defend a great many things, um, at least in saying that both the Starbucks and the Roseanne scandal seem to me to be the same kind of thing, not only because they're about race, but also because it is a great, there's a great deal of supposition and conjecture on offer. The fundamental issue in both circumstances appears to be the assertion that what happened here could not have happened but for their people involved who were either the folks who ended up getting arrested at the Starbucks and walked out um, or who were the recipients of some pretty gross, like mean spirited um, ad hominem attacks that if she were white, if Valerie Jarrett were white and looked exactly the same way that she wouldn't have been likened to an ape. Um, the, the challenge here in both cases is that in America, we love to participate in, or we're very enthusiastic about participating in um, uh, these these trials of people, these these like crucible like trials, and by crucible I'm, I'm referring to like Salem uh, at, at this point, um, where we take people who've done bad things. We say we insist that we know exactly what you meant. You don't have to explain. You're friggin' racist than you were all along, um, and you could have only meant that one way, whatever you might say in your own defense. Um, and then we fire you from your job as the manager of the Starbucks, or we fire you from your television show. And I should say that Roseanne Barr is a miserable dumpster fire conspiracy theorist, but she was all of those things when her television show was brought back on the air by a national television network here in the United States. It seems to me that throwing her off the air because she made a really nasty joke on Twitter, a joke that the analog of this joke has been made by various other people about plenty of people, um, including Donald Trump, who's been likened to some sort of primate. Wait, but that's not George an analog. W. Bush that's it's been not, it's not likened an to a There's no analog primate. in calling Donald Trump an orangutan and calling a black person Well, this is Well, this is exactly it. And, and look alike. I'll, I'll tell you why I think it's an analog. Um, I'll t I, I will acknowledge that it's not an analog. The reason it's not an analog, however, is because of the, the labyrinth of social justice that we have in the United States, which is the complicated framework of things that you cannot say and things that you cannot do and observations you're not allowed to make unless you meet certain requirements. And what ends up happening is after the fact, we end up saying to people, either you should have known better or you could have only meant it one way. And we're not 
genuinely interested in trying to investigate things. We never give people the benefit, but that's just it. I mean, if you're going to end people's careers and if you're going to take things away from them, it seems to me that you should at least be interested in the truth. And what what is important in my estimation about the Starbucks and the Roseanne thing, what makes them analogous is the speed with which the adjudication takes place. Yes. In the You're, Starbucks you know, circumstance, you know that Starbucks, I'm always 45 second use. video. You know that I'm always with you, Camille. 70 that, that odd there shouldn't, there shouldn't be magic tweet. words so that when I say, hey, the existence of the word nigger is really bad, the uh-huh. fact that I actually said the word nigger instead of saying the N-word I'm, should I'm not mean always, that I get fired. I always applaud right? you for that. Yeah. So, so that, yes. Let's, but you're from Australia, so you're a little safer than that in Moynihan. We killed all. It was like yeah. it was like uh, second and second. I had no idea. <laughs> no idea. But the but I don't think that you can say that then making a tweet about likening a black person to an ape is the same as simply triggering some kind of random tripwire, but that has been uh, verboten because of social justice. The question words. is, did she do that, that because she into, did she do it because she was black? Did she start, intend to? Let me also that? let me also clarify. I yeah. don't think she should have been fired. Yeah. I think I think that there should be a certain level of tolerance for precisely the reason that you just said, which is that. She's been a batshit crazy person when they hired her. <laughs> so, like, they can't pretend to be surprised. And, and about by the way, just a now. quick interjection. But I don't yeah, think that yeah. those two things are analogous, just because I, I yeah. think that, that we don't know what went on in the Starbucks. We don't know whether it was racial, racially motivated, but we do know that likening black people to apes is likely to be racially motivated. We at least know that there's some yeah. sort of is historical context in sure. which that happens. My, I think the fundamental point I'm making here is that it is possible to intend to offend someone without intending to offend them in the maximum possible way. To use a, a, a nasty insult to say someone looks like a, a character from the planet of the apes who isn't the ape in the planet of the apes isn't black and not mean it in a racist way. It is entirely possible. Well, she also said the Muslim Brotherhood thing. And yeah. Jared you know, yeah, was born in Iran. So uh-huh, it's, it's like it's, on both levels, right. it's and obviously the, calculated Muslim, as a racialized. I, I'm going to, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and say she's a racist. By the way, when, I, I, I almost uh, made a joke about this on Twitter uh, that I had no idea that this thing had actually, Actually existed because Roseanne blocked me five years ago. Like, I literally did. I can't. Back when she was, um, is, that, is that in your Twitter bio? Are you one of those people I, blocked I know, by Roseanne? No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> blocked by Tom Arnold and Roseanne Barr. I'm the only person alive, um, except for both Tom Arnold and Roseanne Barr. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was the, back in the, the day. She people. was like a lefty back in the day when she's yeah. running for Green Party mm-hmm. candidate. My friend um, and my producer wrote, made a film about her called Roseanne. About her run for uh, for uh, the presidency. Good movie. I interviewed her about that movie yeah, on Half Post Live for half an hour, and she was very, very, very left wing. And very yeah, very left wing, super kooky and batty. Like I think that she's clever enough to know exactly what she's doing. If she doesn't know yeah. that likening somebody to an ape who is black in a tweet is something that one should hesitate before you press that send button, there's something going on. And yeah. look, the thing about Roseanne is that is that the only thing that one should cut her some slack on and try to figure out like how much this weighs when you're talking about um, the punishment and when you're adjudicating these things is that the woman is not, it's not, I think it softens it when you say, oh, she's crazy. 
No, I don't think we should say that at all. She's mentally ill. I mean, this is rather <laughs> clear. I mean, I mean this very seriously. But I, by people who this know is a her, Pizzagate conspiracy. She's a Pizzagate sure. conspiracy theorist. She's a nine eleven truther. There's everything under the sun. Chemtrails. Chemtrails. And then people are pulling just like, out, just like Prince. It's also a but then, genius. But, but then people are pulling out these photos that she took. 15 years ago for, I think it was Hebe magazine, the Jewish magazine, where she's dressed up as a Nazi, dressed up as Hitler, mm. taking burnt cookies out of an oven. And they're like, see, this is the problem. It's like, no, that's actually not the problem. And that was her, for a Jewish magazine, she uh -huh. herself is Jewish, saying like, in, in the way that Joan Rivers would talk about the jokes that she did about Anne Frank. I mean, that's the point. But it, it, everyone's hyperventilating about this was annoying. That said, I, you know, this ABC was it ABC that, that uh -huh. they can do whatever they never, want. I've never seen. I don't. Show. I don't. I could care less yeah. if they fire her or not, or or keep the show going with Melissa Gilbert or whatever it might be. <laughs> I don't that. care. Yeah. It's boring. She's boring. The story is boring. People are people who are like bipolar. Yeah. Shockingly, might say things that when they believe in chemtrails. I don't understand why these things are are, are worlds apart. We kind of we kind of separate them. Like, oh, she believes in chemtrails and 9-11 was done by a secret cabal within the government but I really can't believe she made that racist comment. But this is in the early 90s Roseanne was talking about her multiple personality disorder and that she had been committed. This is yes, like three yes. decades yeah, yeah. ago. But, but 2013 to, to the point of, of Camille's sense of intentionality, uh -huh. she said or tweeted that Susan Rice um, is a man with big swinging eight balls. Oh, uh -huh. did she? You've already caught flack for saying you. a black woman but who's this famous is, as, as I big said, swinging eight balls. And people at the time said, is, you know, that's that's kind of racist. And you go back to it five years later and said, oh, my, my God. The point that I am making One of her here, the point that Richard I'm making Spencer. here is this is this is <laughs> this is fundamentally uh, getting someone on a technicality. All of the imputation of intention is something that we are projecting on her. When asked about this and whether or not it was racist, one says, she says in response, no, I didn't mean it in a racial way. She'd already been fired. Perhaps, perhaps, but this is also, the thing. Perhaps, slave owners perhaps didn't mean a, slavery in a racist way, if you'd ask them. Well, that's not nearly <laughs> the same thing, but perhaps, perhaps that is a defense of herself. The fact that is most interesting to me from my standpoint with respect to this and the Starbucks controversy, again, is the speed with which people move on these things and the inability of people to suspend their interest in reaching a conclusion about what transpired here because of the people involved in the circumstance. And it reminds me in a way of another like bullshit conspiracy of racism related to Planet of the Apes, which was the blue vest that was featured on the poster of a Planet of the Apes, uh, uh, of the Planet of the Apes film on the last one, which was supposed to be, according to a number of people who are a part of the woke universe, a depiction of this of DeRay McKisson in the poster. Can I call a quick timeout and realize that outside of our pathetic little universe, nobody has no one any who fucking idea McKesson who he is? Thank that's, goodness, because I don't not, That's actually yeah, exactly. not true. A conspiracy <laughs> theory about a blue vest on a movie poster is different than no, saying I'm, big, swinging ape ball. But this is, but, but <laughs> one can make, how much time one can make, but one can make a reference to big swinging ape balls, and if I said it to you, it would be clear, it would be clear that it's precisely not 
not. Yeah. That's the whole thing. It's not a racist phrase that people use in reference to black people. It's just some sort of bizarre character that someone who, yes, it certainly Susan has been, Rice but it is not. Big it certainly is, but it is not exclusively not that. And one has to acknowledge that, Matt, racism is in fact on some level Why a matter of the intention. Horse dick. It could be. Why did you bring? Could have said injury? that. Yeah. But this is trivial. But also, the, dis- why do we, the determination why about the why is one is one where we're you... making a decision about what she intended to mean by it. Okay. And well, why I, can't we I would suggest she, to you that we, just, we should just let me acknowledge call a time out here. that it's subjective. That's let all me, I'm asking. Let me call a time out here. But, do, but before you call time out, acknowledge a point, please. Yeah. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, there is a subjective determination that's being no, made. No, no, I acknowledge your, your totally wrong that's point. It. It's fine. Um, <laughs> let me, is that, let me, that's not true. It's th- not subjective. Th- this is, I get it. Okay, I understand a couple of things about this. Tell me. A couple of things I, I sort of agree with in this is that we are f- way too fast generally uh-huh. to meet out these punishments. Because we don't care what the truth is. We don't care. There's a lot of virtue signaling involved. People like want to do the pile on. You know, John Ronson's book about this and publicly shaming people is very... Is, it's a very good book and it you know it's a problem right i think that also on the other hand of this is that this is our jobs camille this What's is that? why we have twitter is to render judgments on people <laughs> and what they say very quickly yeah i am going to assume that if somebody says you know the uh the hook nose guy uh, from <laughs> from the bank i'm like you're talking you're this is anti-semitic I'm like no he just has you know he's just sucking up his upper lip with that nose shylock over there no i'm I, look i'm a fan of shakespeare hey, the ruthless like, cosmic Cosmopolitan? Who- Rootless Cosmopolitan. It's like he doesn't have a home. Like, I just, not a country. No passport. Because he has tentacles. And it's in every country. Like, I get, I get this, the, the complaint, and I think it's, I think it's a fairly, a fairly reasonable one, is that we go way too Entirely. far, way too fast uh-huh. these days. But that doesn't mean, like, yeah, we should condemn, I think it's our jobs to condemn somebody right away. And how on earth are we going to tell people in Twitter and tell people who do what we do, mm-hmm. which is journalism, which is is the is the fucking hot take industry, uh-huh. to say how about we withhold judgment until uh, Roseanne comes off her fucking macadamia farm for twenty minutes f- to get her new personality uh-huh. and explain why she keeps on calling black people apes. I, actually, I can render a judgment on that on. fairly <laughs> quick. Keeps on eight balls. I, this, I, so I, if I find three examples of her calling anyone who isn't black like an ape, would she, that, like, I win guarantee anything? you she hasn't. This has never happened. And I tell you. What if, yeah. if it has it's never made a joke? AmericanRenaissance.com no would have right? said would have had it on its website right now. Yeah. No, I absolutely. I mean, <laughs> can I just, look, can I Occam's Razor here suggests yeah. that a woman who believes in conspiracy <laughs> theories, who is psychotically pro-Trump, uh, you know, and keeps on calling elected officials who are or, or not elected officials, who are part of the <laughs> of the Obama administration, apes. Can I just try? Maybe. Can I, can I just, maybe. Can I, can I just yeah. try to maybe. bridge? Can I try to play lovemaker here? You, no. Okay. Can I play Delilah? You, you and, get yeah, it. Get, get, yeah. get yeah. Camille and Michael on the same bridge. You no can. way. Uh, which a covered is, bridge. <laughs> is, it, is it not possible uh, that people who are a bit racist and make racist jokes uh, should still have yeah. the right to be on television? Of course. Sure. Of course. And isn't that fundamentally 
kind of the core issue. Mm, it's, like, that's not, that's not the rights. That's not the, that's not the point words, that Let's I not mean. talk about rights because yeah. I know that the libertarians yeah. are going to, their heads are going to explode yeah. about what the word rights means. But Camille, what you're pointing to mm-hmm. is I think this, what Michael just acknowledged, this yeah. hysteria culture, the instant knee jerk, the transgression, you you, know, you trigger a tripwire and all of a sudden mm-hmm. the whole universe explodes yeah. on you and you lose everything simply because you said something stupid in a spontaneous tweet. But... Mike, and yeah, perhaps it's perhaps it's the case that you should that, that that no single tweet should be your doing in, but if you keep treading up to that line, in terms of conspiracy theories, in terms of bigotry, in terms of politically wild accusations, in terms of denigrating remarks, mm-hmm. in terms of insults, not her first offense. Of, yeah, and if you're if you're constantly dancing at that ninety nine percent level. And then you you say something that is bad enough to tip you over the one hundred percent. Then there will come some point at which you become untenable for a network. And you're totally right, Camille, to say why was it this particular tweet? Maybe she wasn't even intentionally being racist. And maybe quasi racists should have a right to have not a right should be able to keep their television shows. But at some point, the cumulative history of your remarks has to tip you over the edge. And uh-huh. it just so happens that this tweet was the one. And yeah, maybe it didn't even. Have to on, be the, racist. on the same exact day of uh, repeating the uh, the Glenn Beck uh, nostrum, I don't think Glenn Beck is saying this anymore. That George Soros was an enthusiastic uh, participant. Uh, that was yeah. way more offensive yeah. to me. Uh-huh. It, it was yeah, way more it's, offensive. It's, it's, sure, it's, it, I mean, he said she said yeah. that George Soros was a collaborator. Was a collaborator yeah. and basically allowed Jews. He was yeah. a child at the yeah. time. And by the way, I, I, she which says is, that he allowed Jews to be yeah, to be guessed. This is this is a very conventional belief. This is a very common belief. Amongst uh, conspiracy theory, uh-huh. right? And Jackie Mason. The, the OAN. <laughs> so it is. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, the, the one, one is that true? America yes, Jackie News. Mason? Jackie Mason. He said it, yeah. I watched a clip. I was I was thinking about doing a story about this OAN, the the the, the kind of off-brand Fox News uh-huh. that Tommy Lahren started on. Mm. And I watched. I was like, I'm gonna do a story about them. And I, and I watched the first clip online. They were talking about the Roseanne thing, and they were like making the case in a new quote-unquote news story that the that the Soros thing was true. Because then they showed the clip from 60 Minutes 60 where it minutes came from, where he's saying like, no, I was a kid, and you know there was no, I had no choice, and I didn't know what was going on anyway. He said but, he but, says just five seconds that. Uh, Hey, I was because he had to impersonate a non-Jew to go out in the street to do things during the Eric Cross period in 1944. Uh, he's saying, you know what? I was sneaking around. It was kind of fun. Yeah, it is. You're to 14. Yeah, you have no idea what's going on. The consequences of it. Um, but to the point about about um, you know people taking away your show, it, we have to remember the context of this. And Josh makes a makes a, a, a very good point. Um, this kind of build up, the psychotic build up over a very long time with Roseanne. But it's also that. It's a very bad look for them who are trying and look, give them credit. They're going out on a limb and doing a show that is effectively, you know, in comparison to everything else out there in the culture, a MAGA show. Right. I mean, you have a pro Trump character. You have these like, oh, we're the deplorables jokes in it. Trump people like it. Trump and Trump himself praises the show on Twitter and calls Roseanne to uh, uh, congratulate her on 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 the ratings. And apparently the show's very much about like people trying to like deal with one another even though they sure, disagree. Sure, as I haven't seen it, but but it's like Trump praised it, et cetera. And that when you have Trump praising a show, what appears to be the network's first kind of MAGA show, as it were, and then the star of the show is like, oh, black people are monkeys. Like that's that look is not good for ABC. <laughs> had, had she right? actually said that, Mike? Yeah. we wouldn't yeah, be having well, this conversation. I, I, I'm sorry. I just want to be clear. I'm sorry. One black woman is a monkey. Let's just be <laughs> very clear about this. Or even but, more specifically, one wo- 
one black woman who was born in Iran did she, did she, is yeah. the love child of <laughs> yeah. the Muslim Brotherhood and yeah. the Planet of Listen, the Apes. Yeah, 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 you can't yeah, get more specific. Yeah, I'm, let me, let me, with, let me, listen, let me finish I'm, this point first. I've, I, agree, I agree wholeheartedly that she's an awful person and that the thing that she said was awful. The concern, however, interestingly, maybe because we're awful Americans, wasn't that she said something about the Muslim Brotherhood. No one has mentioned that shit. Anyone who saw Roseanne get fired was pleased no, to know, see her get fired because it, 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 of the monkey reference, which I... The it gives only credence point to my I'm claim that she knows what she was talking about. You're saying we have no idea the only claim she that intended I'm making, it racially. I'm saying yeah, she intended I'm, it obviously I'm, religiously, ethnically, and racially. She, she intended to insult her appearance. Whether or not she actually intended Why to invoke the history of racism. The Muslim Brotherhood she, is actually it, Sunni and Iranians Sure, Shia. she intended to insult... Well, she said Muslim Brotherhood and something had a baby. She's combining two things. So I'm saying in the part where she was referring to monkey, she intended to insult her appearance. In either case... Whether or not she also meant this in the context of black folk is a different question. And plenty of people has, have used primate as an insult when talking about people they think are boorish. It is something that is routinely done with Trump. And it's something that's been routinely done with W in the past. And I think the fact that people use that is, in that context is something that's worth acknowledging. And that's the only okay, point it, that I'm making. Let me making. make one final point. I love I, Roseanne. I, I, I don't want to watch a show I or anything I completely else. disagree with that for, for probably yeah. the reasons that both Josh and, and, and uh, Matt do too. It's just that you just, actually disagree No, I with do. That. I actually that do. That it I, is subjective. No, no, I, Even if you're saying that it's it's one of those things the, where The comparison of George W. Bush to a monkey is because he has big ears and he's a bit dopey, right? Black people is like, oh, you're effectively barely evolved from an ape. That's the connection with make. Have you seen like, Valerie Jarrett's face? I, 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 Do you I, think I, she's beautiful? I don't. I, I have not seen. Might Valerie. she I've look like she's her. wearing some sort of a I, mask? I, I'm not going to get into this, and you should cut it out because but that is the you're important question. Going to lose business on this one. <laughs> but, but here, I, I will say on the broader and the broader point that, that you're making, which I find more interesting, <laughs> getting into the cobwebbed psychotic brain uh, of Roseanne Barr is not. Particularly interesting to me, yeah. but what I, I I have a contest that I've been going. And I think people that that are listening to this can actually, if they've made it through this, can um can tell me who they think will be next. I have a contest which is. When you are a famous person who have done interesting things, made great films, made great television, made great records, and you die, they will go, and they being the hot take artists that are usually 25 years old, don't know anything about your work, will go sifting through your garbage to find one errant comment from the 1960s or uh -huh. 70s, sure. and then you will the, the piece will come out, yes, he was a genius, but don't forget X. Yeah. And D David Bowie, for instance, was a, he was a child rapist. He was a pedophile. He had a 14, 15-year-old girlfriend, which, by the way, is not necessarily true. I mean, it's all sourced to this woman herself who has credibility problems, which I was about to write about, and then I left my job. I was going to write about, in defense of David Bowie, is that this woman's in timeline- In defense of child love? Well, in the, this woman's timeline's all over the place, but we didn't care uh. if this were true or not, because it was like, oh, we, I had a threesome with him and David and Angie uh, Bowie when I was 15, uh, and then he's like, oh, and it was just me and him when I was 15, and like the stories were all over the place. Didn't matter. David Bowie, fantastic career, but you had to turn the knife. And the next thing I thought was like, oh, Jimmy Page, who did actually have a 14-year-old girlfriend, and we know that, and was that photographed, he'll be next when, when, when he dies. And then I was like, oh, God, you know the really bad one is Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton famously got incredibly drunk in 79 or 80 or something like this in London at a show and um, gave a speech 
drunken on pills, which he's apologized for 75,000 times, uh, about how immigrants should get the fuck out of England. And he was supporting uh, the National Front, literally a, a supporting the National Front, uh, you know, the precursor to Nick Griffin's National Front, and uh, was basically booed off the stage. Or think about Elvis Costello, who very, very right. drunkenly um, in 1976 or 77, he was at a hotel bar with it was it was with Hennessy or something no like and it was with uh he was talking to uh um uh was it Crosby steals and Nash somebody else was in the bar and he was very very drunk and by the way Elvis Costello known as a very progressive guy these days uh referred to I believe referred to Ray Charles as a blind nigger and stopped the conversation and he was falling over and drunk and there was a, and a big fight broke out. And then he spent a year after this when he, when he was apologizing uh, in 76, 77, but you, there's no forgiveness for this when you die. Right. So when, when, when Elvis Costello dies, I guarantee you the first thing you'll say is like, you know, or Eric Clapton, Great guitar player, great songwriter, but don't forget about this. When Roseanne dies, it's going to be a shit show. Yeah, I know. It's like that'll be about in about two weeks. I, I think, think so. I and think uh, some of those guys she, are going to get a going to get a buy. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, they'll, they'll get like a David Bowie didn't even get a buy. But I mean that that wasn't hit on that much, I and mean, it was it was mentioned. It was kind of a lot actually. It wasn't surprisingly. It wasn't as much as, as it could be. I think like the the sixties and seventies classic rockers. It, it people will just assume with Led Zeppelin. Yeah, and then Google I, I Google Bowie rape. Bowie, like David Bowie, this like kind, gentle person. <laughs> Recreation. 30,000 30, results for David Bowie's I think what's going to happen is that people who didn't really even do any of that are going to get dragged. And the person I'm thinking of right I just now. I like the dragging. Uh, is uh, Blondie. When, when Debbie Harry bl- uh, dies. Uh, for it, cultural appropriation? People are going to be like, you know what? The first number one rap song in America yeah. was Rapture. Huh. Yeah, that's problematic. But it did actually By have Blondie. the it had the consent. What, what year was that? Uh, <laughs> 1980. 1980. It did have the consent of Fat Five Freddy, who's mentioned in the song. Oh, and did in he? The video. Did he co-sign on that? Uh, he you know, he's in the video and he's mentioned in the song. Huh. I think yeah. what we're saying is that, yeah. as Australians put it, you all got to take a chill pill. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right because I, I mean the point being is that. Huh. I don't like the fact that I don't like this Joy Reid business. I don't. I, li- I don't like the fact of going through people's garbage I, and I trying to find I don't like things it that I, you know. Although look, the Joy, Joy Reid problem is that she's been lying. She's about been lying about shit. it, and she made a big mistake, <laughs> and she should have just said, "You Only- know what." I, was, I own it. I had stupid views had at stupid one point views. in the past. We and all have had stupid Now views. I'm friends with Josh Zepps, like, like and I think he's awesome. awesome. I want to see those archives. Yeah, there, there's no archive like that. Yeah. yeah do, you remember, do you remember the Zepps thing uh, when he said, I was, I'd never heard of this, that he's a Cambodian Holocaust denier? <laughs> <laughs> I guess because he's close to Australia or something. <laughs> but he was like, <laughs> he has this thing. It's like Pol Pot owned a sandwich shop. And he's like, he could account for his movements for like 10 years. <laughs> so weird. He really is on. He really buried that, though. Cambodian. Really buried it. Oh, my it. God. All right, yeah. let's close out. Yeah, we got to get out of here. What do we do with our lives? Yeah, well, the disaster. Yeah, Cavs game. Um, well, gentlemen, it, it was uh, wonderful to spend some time with you. Josh, I'm glad that you came Yay, here. Yay, Josh. An absolute delight and a pleasure. And anyone who wants more of my sparkling repartee can uh, find uh, <laughs> We and, the People live. It yeah. has a hashtag at the front, so it's easy to search. Hashtag, and then We the People is all one word. Wait, can I raise live? my hand and ask a question of Zabs before he goes and before yeah, we go? Please. Do you live in Australia now? Yeah, I just moved there. Well, I divide my time between New York and Sydney, but I'm based in Sydney. That's a work. long That's a long commute. It's a long, it's a, it's <laughs> How a long big, is that commute? Like 25 hours? Uh, uh, you can do it. Hours. You can do it in twenty-two and a half if you're oh, crafty. Wow. Yeah. Crikey. 
Got to get other people. <laughs> Sorry, just had to do that. Yeah. Right, one last one. Yeah. No. All right. Absolutely not. Uh, and the other, show, the other, the other Absolutely. show is, uh, is the people. That's versus, so weird. Which you can also find on podcasts. Oh, that's the ABC one. That's the ABC. Yeah, one. that's and that if you're Australian in Australia, Broncos, of course, yeah. then it's easy to find. The other ABC. On. Is that on ABC Weekly? Yeah. Uh, so you're like a big star in Australia. I it's would a say huge. Fucking would deal. Would it be crazy to call me an Ira Glass of Australia? Would really? I mean, it would be crazy. Act three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, act, three. act three. So Josh was out in the outback. He, uh, found, he found a cassette tape. So he found it, had, it. It got on. Uh, by the way, yes, by the way uh, can, I, can I just give you a little tip on the higher glass impression? Start slow and then go fast. We always just say, he's like, act two. So what happened was we got to the and then got to the <laughs> That's what he does. That's the higher glass. I've been driving and trying to perfect this for years. I can't do it. I fuck it up every time. Um, yeah. we, we do have to get out of here. Right. Um, if, if People at home, go watch the friggin' video that Starbucks commissioned for their Tuesday thing last week. Yeah. Um, the video itself is momentously bad. And yeah. uh, you, should, you should see it. I mean, just a total. Act one. Total Starbucks honesty. video. Bye. <laughs> Common. Bye. Bye. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. <laughs>